So I think the best way to better integrate HR practices in your practice is to really be grounded on what your vision, mission, and values are and make sure you believe in them and that you live them on a daily basis. Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David List a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPaws Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. Furpaws Consulting has deep expertise in helping veterinary practices reach their full potential for all types of practices, whether specialty, emergency, or general practice, by working alongside the practice owner and manager. Are you a practice owner or practice manager with a challenge and not enough bandwidth to tackle it? Reach out to me, Andrea Crabtree, owner of Furpaws Consulting, with the question that keeps you up at night. I'm able to provide expertise and insight to navigate those tricky obstacles. Find my info in the show notes. Email me at andrea at furpaws.us or check out my website at www.furpawsconsulting.com. Hello, Positive Leaders. We are super excited to have an amazing guest with us today, Melissa Maudlin. She is a CVPM and a SHRM SDP, which stands for a Senior Certified Professional, which I don't like to say the senior. I have to say, Melissa, I'm going to go with, how about a snazzy Certified Professional? There you go. Sounds great. Melissa is the manager and HR engagement for Encore. Welcome, Melissa. We're excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So great to have you on and see you again and connect with you again. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so good to talk to you again. David and Melissa got to share a little bit about how they connected for the first time, and that was a great story. Hopefully, we'll hear a little bit about that sprinkled throughout our episode today. Melissa, without having to read a stuffy bio, can you give me just a rundown of who you are, how you got to be where you are today, and just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So who I am, as Andrea mentioned, I am a HR manager with Encore Vet Group, which means I just, I work with the operational leaders of the company to provide HR guidance to a group of practices and also work with oversee our team of HR business partners. I've been in the veterinary industry for about 15 years or so, started as a receptionist, moved into practice leadership, and then into regional leadership, and then found my home in HR. So it's been been a long journey for me. I When I first joined, I just I was at the vet with my dog, and they said, you know, we're looking for a receptionist here. And I said, well, that sounds fun. I should do that. And so I did it, not thinking that it would be a job to do while I was taking some classes and not really doing a whole lot else. 
and didn't realize that it was going to be a career for me. So I was pretty excited to learn that I I could have a long-term career in this. Right now, I'm, in addition to working at Encore, I'm enrolled in a master's program and working on a executive coaching certification through ICF. I love to learn and I'm always up for a new challenge, whatever that may be. And personally, I am married with two children, have two dogs, a hamster, and after this recording, I'm leaving to go pick up a rabbit that we are bringing into our family. Oh, bye. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Melissa, thanks for the intro. Fantastic to hear all about your personal life and your a very different path in your uh, management career. I, I do like hearing people's bios told by them in first person because it gives a different take in a different path. I feel like everyone we've talked to tells their story and it always seems to be a different path. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I am a big fan of the non-traditional career path for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. If you could share with us your favorite book or podcast or CE or even one of the classes that you've taken, you mentioned a lot of um, credentials that you have and studying that you've been doing. Pick one that you feel like has had a really lasting effect on you. <laughs> yeah, pick one. <laughs> yeah, pick one out of the last 20 years of schooling. It, it, that's a really hard one for me because I you know, go through periods of time where I do a lot of self-development. And I would say probably early on in my leadership journey, I think one of the most impactful ones for me was Emotional Intelligence 2.0 and Strengths Finders. Both of those books come with a bit of a survey that you take. It's not a bit of a survey. It's like 200 questions long, but it really gives some good insight to yourself. And for me, emotional intelligence was really eye-opening because my score was much lower than I thought it was going to be. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And so it really opened my eyes up to some opportunities that I had for some personal improvement that would help impact not only my personal life, but my professional life. So I always say to it's one of my favorite too. I do like that one. Yeah. Yeah. I always recommend that to new leaders. I just think it's just, how do you know where you're going to go if you don't know where you're at? You know, yeah, you got to know right. where you're at good before one. you can move forward. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So you have a pretty extensive background in human resources and it's amazing. I have had some interest in, and, you know, gotten some certifications, but that's really one of Andrea's expertises as well. And you've been, you know, in the veterinary world and it's really great to connect with other kind of PHRS, PHR type folks because you, you know, you, you really realize somewhat of what we do not so well in the veterinary industry, but also you just get to see that bigger picture, uh, dare I say, kind of corporate human resources approach that really can help improve our practices and efficiencies and, you know, doing things in kind of a compliance way. So why do you think, uh, or, or, you know, why have you gravitated towards HR? Um, and why do you think, you know, human resources or, you know, human capital management is so important in the veterinary industry? Yeah, so I feel that you know, people make our world work. And without the people, we can't care for the patients, right? So we have to have people and we have to take good care of them. And I think that for a long time, that that piece was missing from our profession. Not that we didn't care about people, we did. We just said, well, you know, you work in the veterinary, you don't work in veterinary medicine because of the money. You work here because it's a passion and you work here. we tolerate the doctor or, or the technician or whoever with the poor behavior because they're so vital to our organization or, you know, there's no room for growth. And these are things where HR can have a really big impact where we can, 
work on pay for our practices and our and our organization and help people see that there are career paths to be had in veterinary medicine. And culture is so important. I know a lot of us realize that and have started working on that a lot over the last probably decade or so. And I think it's great. And HR plays a huge role in all of those things. And, you know, I really want, I want to be part of making our profession an industry that people, you know, that we have the culture and the resources and the development opportunities that attracts people to the profession instead of things that scare people away from the profession. So I just, that's why it's so important to me is just the impact that it can have on our overall profession. Well said. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. There are a lot of good points in there. So Melissa, you're the manager in HR engagement for Encore. So HR engagement, tell me, like I'm all things HR with you there, sister. Like my favorite thing rises to the top of the list, but I saw HR engagement and I thought, wow, we're finally number one addressing that it actually exists. Like the fact that someone had says engagement's a real thing, right? Two, that we have somebody that's in charge of that and like working on that, like, woohoo, let's throw a party. And then, yeah, you're here with us. Tell us what an HR engagement for Encore, like what does that look like for you every day? What are you doing? Yeah, so a, a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of talking to people. When people ask me what I do every day, I'm like, I'm not really sure. Tell me a specific day and I can tell you. It's, you know, the whole, the, the role of HR engagement is really about how our HR team and our HR practices engage with the rest of the organization. So it really means kind of overseeing that relationship between, you know, operations and practices and our HR business partner team that helps us implement our HR policies and operationalize things. So what my day looks like every day typically involves several phone calls, Zoom calls. I spend a lot of time on Zoom, coaching managers through, you know, difficult conversations, helping an employee with some benefits questions, working with with my team. You know, I have regular one-on-ones with my team and we always we have a weekly group call together. So working on my team and their development, working with our operational partners to make sure we have strategic alignment, working on strategic projects to help move the organization forward, having regular calls with my leader. So yeah, it's it's a lot of talking, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, but that's talking. HR. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, just coaching and guidance and, you know, making sure that everyone feels comfortable with where they're at with their HR knowledge. Mm, that's great. We all probably thought we would be in a different spot, maybe, than we are. I mean, the world has opened up a lot in certain areas. Uh, there's still certainly COVID infections, COVID deaths, COVID rules, right? There's still a lot of stuff coming around. And we've heard discussions about vaccine mandates at the OSHA level. Some cities are mandating it. I mean, you know, there's all this, you know, stuff still going on that really just has gotten in the way of us being able to do our jobs in vet med for a long, long time. So, what are a couple of kind of daily struggles and challenges that your practices are, are facing? You know, what's a, a common theme or maybe two common themes in these manager meetings that you have in coaching that are coming up? And it can be totally not COVID related, like maybe the world's back to the usual, you know, the employees calling out a lot or whatever. But like, what are what are kind of maybe two of the, the big kind of struggles that your practices slash practice managers are facing kind of right now? Well, yeah, definitely all the things you said, <laughs> but definitely staffing for sure. You know, I'm sure that yeah, yeah, everyone right. listening, 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everyone listening, I'm sure, is having issues with staffing, no doubt. It's it's tough out there right now. Doctors and technicians, but also just finding good support staff, support members that can can help support the doctors and the technicians. It's just it's tough right now. So that's a, that's a tough one. And I think, you know, some of the other challenges that are also not u- unique to us is, I mean, some of it's COVID related, some of it's not, but really kind of having some tough conversations. And some of that revolves around COVID because there's polarizing thoughts on COVID. And so managers on top of doing their jobs and trying to lead a team and, you know, run a practice and manage COVID in general, they're also having to manage some of these challenging conversations sometimes with people talking politics a lot more openly, having differing viewpoints on COVID specifically, and having to manage with that every day. That seems to be a big challenge for some people. Melissa, have you worked in general practice before? Like, Could you talk to us about the difference between struggles from a corporate practice standpoint versus a general practice standpoint, or have you always been in corporate practices? Yeah. So I I have worked in independent practices as well. So, you know, it's not really, I can't imagine it's that much different. It's really not. It's not. It's really not that much different. People are the same. I would say, you know, it's always personality stuff. As far as HR goes, it's really not a whole lot different. The only thing that's a little bit different is in a corporate practice, you know, with a group of practices, you have more HR guidance, which can be helpful, you know, helping you understand how to have these tough conversations and get more, you know, have somebody to talk to about those conversations. But, you know, sometimes, you know, if there's a policy you don't agree with, you don't always get to make your own policy. So, you know, if there's a if the company decides to require all employees to wear masks and you don't want your team to wear masks, you don't have an option in that, you know? So that might be challenging sometimes. Sure. Yeah. There's pros, but I mean, for sure, the support and guidance is probably the biggest pro just having somebody to talk to about these things and bounce ideas with. Yeah. That internal support. Yeah. So you mentioned you are an executive coach and a personal coach. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? What what is that? I mean, I'm I'm intrigued to hear all about your MSOLD and your ICF certification and executive coaching. So, geek out with me here right now and and get on your soapbox. Tell me all about it. Sure, I love talking about coaching. It's it's actually it's a lot of fun, and I found going through the course that maybe what I thought was doing was coaching was really more of telling people to do what to do without telling them what to do. So I was kind of giving them hints about where they should go and leading them down a path, but that's not really coaching. And that might be sports coaching, but it's not coaching in the sense that we look at professional executive coaching. So when you're coaching, you're using an inquiry-based approach to personal and professional growth and development. So you're asking a lot of questions, basically. I mean, it's really what it boils down to is asking a lot of questions, offering a lot of self-reflections. And these things can help people see their blind spots, help see, you know, help change perspectives, navigate change, make plans for their life. It's really driven by the individual. So every conversation is different. And so I always start my conversations with what's on your mind today? What are we talking about today? That can be anywhere from, well, I had an argument with one of my coworkers and I'm not sure where to, I'm not sure how I feel about it and where to go from here. Okay. Let's talk about that. Why is that important to you? 
what what would you want that to look like in the future? Okay, what is one step that you could take to get towards what you want that future to look like? So it's helping them really wade through all their thoughts and focus in on what they want it to be and help them get a plan to get there. But it's all very driven by the individual. Okay, so I totally hear therapist right here. Like, let my cow. <laughs> It is a little, it is different from a therapist, but it's, um, it is definitely different from a therapist. You know, we're not licensed to, to provide mental health support. And, you know, that is actually part of the training we go through is when Mm -hmm. do you refer to a therapist? Mm -hmm. When do you prefer to refer to a licensed professional? But therapy tends to be for like backward looking. So taking past trauma and try to heal it. And coaching is more about this is where I'm at. Here's where I want to be. Can I take some steps to get there? That's a good way to summarize it. The way I kind of thought of it too. I mean, I, so I will tell you about my experience with coaching and I will tell everybody out there, Melissa is a fantastic coach. Um, We definitely, you know, you have some of those light bulb moments, which is really interesting. So she would totally open it up and I would just start venting about something, you know, and through some of her probing and obviously some empathy, I would get to some roadblock and realize you know, something. And then we would just kind of probe through and she'd, you know, ask a lot of stuff about like, well, why do you think you're reacting this way or doing this? And you kind of work through it. And then you get these like epiphanies. And we had a few in the, in the six sessions. Yeah. One of the ways that I kind of think about coaching for anybody that's thinking about it is coaches are, they're not, I mean, you could certainly change your thoughts on this if you want, Melissa, but my thought is like, you guys don't really deal with feelings. You deal more with actions. Like if I said, you know, I'm feeling struggling with anxiety, you wouldn't be like, well, you know, I can treat the anxiety like you're not a therapist, but you right. can say, well, what are some of the things you can do? And and not even just professionally, but in your life that make you, you know, the anxiety relieves or something like that's, you know, like it's that kind of distinction a little bit. Obviously, professionally, you know, I wouldn't talk about, you know, emotional trauma, but I might say, you know, I'm really upset at an employee. I'm really frustrated. And that's an emotion, right? But then we we dig through the scenario. And then rather than kind of you know, work on those feelings or work on the emotions, or obviously, as you said, yeah, connected to like, oh, when I was a child, this happened, you'll say, well, you know, how, how could you be or act, you know, in a professional way that would change or adapt the the situation. So it was a wonderful experience. I mean, I wish I could have done more. And, you know, now that you have, you know, your side business, I'm sure it'll be super, super successful, which kind of leads me to my question, which is what do you think would be some benefits for a veterinary practice Maybe, you know, as like a group, if you do group coaching or just a veterinary practice manager or owner to having a personal kind of life or executive coach, what would be some benefits they they might receive? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So many benefits. Like, honestly, over the last year, I mean, part of the program was we had to coach each other. We had to buddy coach. And so I got coaching, you know, three times a week from my fellow classmates and it really, I think, helped me get through COVID, just to be honest with you, because it was, it's was it been a challenging time for HR professionals and, and veterinary professionals. Anyone that leads a team, we all, we all know this. It's been challenging. So it was a big benefit. And I think the best thing about coaching is that it can be what you want it to be. So whatever the practice leader is looking for, so maybe they're Maybe they want, you know, are looking for a forward opportunity and are not sure what that looks like. They, they can't wrap their head around it and they want to feel that out with somebody and how to get there. Like that would be one option. Or if they want to, I mean, even things like just having a better leadership presence in the practice. So I want to develop my leadership skills. I want to 
this is a specific area where I think I need some growth and I'm not sure how to get there. So can talk to why is this important to you? What makes you think that you need to grow in this area? So it can really help give people some confidence in their job too, which I, I mean, I suffer from imposter syndrome and I know there's a lot of people out there that do as well. Oh, and I think, yeah. It, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it can give people that, that confidence. It can help them really dig deep inside and give them the confidence that they are successful. They are competent to do their job. It can help them determine their priorities. It can help them uncover blind spots, learn, you know, make changes. Maybe there's you know, they need to make a leadership change at the practice. Maybe they're trying to change their leadership structure or something about the team and they're just not sure how to do it, why they want to do it, what they want to do. A coach can help them wade through all of those thoughts and information so that they can have come up with a plan to move forward. I love all things leadership. So thank you so much for sharing that. I also know that you are a SHRM SCP, and so that's all things HR, which I will say there is a distinct difference between, obviously, HR management and leadership. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about HR and knowing that's a huge part of your role, your educational background, and what you do. How can we as managers integrate better HR practices and HR management in our veterinary practices? I feel like it's an area that is sorely missed. Yeah. And like we talked about at the beginning, not not having a focus on people, let me say having a different focus on people, right? Not that they're staff and replaceable, but that they're team members and should be engaged. So let's talk a little bit about integrating better HR practices within our management toolbox, if you will. Can you share a little bit about some of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, exactly what you just said would be one thing is just, it starts with your mindset. I'm a big fan of that quote, you know, where your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions and your actions become your destiny or something like that. But, you know, I'm a big believer in that because the way we think ultimately ends up coming out. So we can't say we value our people and we have these values and then not live them. You know, and we can't think to ourselves, well, it's just our team member and it's replaceable. They're replaceable and not have that come out in the way we treat people and the policies we set. So I think the best way to better integrate HR practices in your practice is to really be grounded on what your vision, mission and values are and make sure you believe in them and that you live them on a daily basis. Because you're going to use that to make decisions for your practice so that your actions are aligned with what you say. I think it's really damaging to a team when you say these are the values that we live, but then you don't create policies and procedures that live up to those vision, mission, and values. So I think that's really, that's number, the number one thing. And then the number two thing would be to just really get grounded on some basic HR knowledge you know, take, take some classes, take some, you know, a series, a a course of some kind to really feel comfortable with your state and local labor laws, stay connected with what's going on in the HR world. So you can know when you're not breaking the rules, you know? Yeah. Navigating through those. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a, another one of my favorite quotes is learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You don't know what you can do if you don't know what your baseline is. I mean, the legal requirements are just your baseline. HR is not black and white. It's very gray. Right. So yeah. 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 I like how you talked about living your mission, vision and values. And one of the exercises I like to do with all my leadership teams is values and when you have your value statements and your ethics statements is putting them in like I cut them out and put them on bright obnoxious colored paper and laminate them and put them on velcro all over the hospital and tell my teams okay every time you see someone living out one of your mission vision or value statements you take that velcro and you put it right where their workstation or right wherever that happens Aww. you know and so you're kind of like moving that all over the practice and and making it like oh i saw someone have honesty or transparency or authenticity or have good client service or have great communication or whatever it is and like i'm going to stick that there and that's always a fun exercise and of course throwing candy at them always helps too but in the leadership meetings is Going back to those value statements, when you're talking about hiring or firing or coaching or disciplining or making a protocol or making a change in the practice, anything. It's like, go back to your value statements or if you have ethics statements and saying like, how does this align or does it not align with what our company values are, what our mission statement is, especially our ethics. Where are we standing? What's our value stance on this, hiring this person? or disciplining or discharging this person. And if it can go back and if you violated the code of ethics, or if you violated a mission or vision statement, then you have to be held accountable to that. And so I feel like that is some walk the walk, baby, like get it in your office, put it on your computer, spread it out all over your practice and really walk the talk because it does it's, and you know, I'll tell you what, I'm the first person to be like, I screwed up today. Yeah, right. I mean, there's some authenticity there. Yeah, you've got to be authentic with your team. It's it's much better to say, hey, I screwed up. I made an error here. This Mm -hmm. was the wrong decision. I want to do something different. Let's move forward with something different. Like, right. It's so much better to just be authentic like that than to try to cover it up or pretend it didn't happen because people will find out and people know and then they lose trust. And yeah, it's hard, but do it right. Talk to me a little bit about some mistakes. What do you see that we make mistakes on a regular basis where like, stop doing this today. Like don't ever do this again. It's, it's just a violation of all things HR. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the things that we need to, to stop right away? Like don't ever do again. So I would say number one is making assumptions. You know, sometimes we make assumptions with, you know, we'll make an assumption that with people, with laws, with how we should handle certain situations, we assume we know what people want and what they're thinking and don't ask questions. So, you know, we may, or we may assume that because we've done something one way for 10 years that it's correct or because our, you know, our friend who is also a practice manager does it this way. So it must be the right thing for us. So we make a lot of assumptions sometimes. And, you know, I think that's uh, probably a failure on our part. And I think we all do it. It's certainly not pointed at any one person. I know I've been guilty of it too. And, but I think that's an error that we make sometimes. And it's especially important in HR management when it comes to laws, because you may assume you're following the correct law and you're not, or we may have an employee come to us with a harassment complaint of some kind. 
and we make an assumption one way or the other because of our relationship with them or our relationship with the accused. And that can really put us in some big troubles because we may not correctly suss mm-hmm. out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, David's favorite, uh, his favorite mantra is assume good intent, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. if nothing else, the assumption you should make is good intent, right? Yeah, I love Absolutely. that. You know, we record these on Fridays usually, and we talk here at the Positive Leadership Podcast about how to put this kind of stuff into play ASAP, a couple of nuggets that we could put into place on Monday. So speaking a little bit to kind of the common mistakes that you were referring to, what are a couple of good action items that our teams could start, you know, literally tomorrow or, you know, basically on Monday with kind of proper, you know, HR management. So basically like one or two action items where they could call to action, things that people could start doing on Monday that you think probably they may or may not already doing and could, you know, they could do them, do them better, or they may not, you know, even have them in place and we should just get those done first, which will make an impact on those mistakes you were mentioning. One thing is getting grounded on HR policy and laws. It's joining a local SHRM chapter or taking a course to build your network and build your knowledge on HR, while also keeping in mind that HR is not just about laws and policies. There's so much more that goes into human resources. And so having that network available is really, I think it's really helpful. I haven't engaged with my local SHRM chapter as much as I'd like, but I do like to read through the message boards, if nothing else, and look through there for information. Definitely getting some grounded knowledge on HR so you're not, again, making assumptions like we just talked about. Then also, I think the other thing that you can start immediately is keep it people first. And When you're having discussions with people, don't fall back on this is the policy and this is how we do it. Because at the end of the day, that may be what you're doing, but it can help if you ask questions. Why is this important to them? Get to the why about why this is the policy and help the team members understand the policy. They have a lot more trust in you and it builds trust and it builds that positive relationship if they understand why a policy is in place. It makes them take the news a little bit better. So that's how I like to keep people first is just explaining the why a lot. I like that you mentioned the trust there because I feel like all relationships based on trust move forward. And if there's no trust there, they're not going to move at all. And if anything, they're going to be detrimental to the practice. And it's so important with HR, trust is. Mm -hmm, For sure. I mean, it's important with all leaders, of course, but, you know, in HR, we've got to have people trust us. They've got to be able to come talk to us. So trust is really important. I feel like you had one more thing to say about the mistakes. Did you want to chime in or did you just feel like the assumptions was enough there? The only other, the other thing that I would say on the mistakes other than, well, there's, I guess there are two things I wanted to say on that is one is not asking for help. So that kind of goes back to making assumptions. So just kind of assuming we can handle it. You know, Mm -hmm. there's experts out there for a reason, legal experts and HR consultants, and don't be afraid to utilize those when it's, when it's necessary. We learned on our podcast with Shelly Johnson, uh, SME or SMEs, subject matter experts, like we have them out there, use them. Yes, absolutely. They are there for a reason. Use them. They can help make your life easier and also honestly help protect your organization and help protect your practice, you know, and your practice owner. 
The other thing I would say, a common mistake I see is relying on the law. That kind of goes back to the, this is the policy. You know, it's just when you say no to somebody, no, because that's the way we do this. No, because this is the rule. No, this is the law. It doesn't really help build trust with people. So when there is a policy, I like to say, even if it's a law, instead of just saying, sorry, it's a law, we can't do it. Say, okay, why is this important to you? What can right. we do? Ask the here? why behind it. Yeah. yeah the why. Right, for sure. And try to get to a yes. You know? Some empathy there, right? So as we start to wrap up, I would like to ask you one piece of advice that you would either give yourself if yourself would listen in your younger years, because I know myself <laughs> in my younger years wouldn't listen, or a piece of advice to our managers out there. Give us one piece of advice and tell us why that. I would say never assume. Be curious and ask a lot of questions. I think that just asking a lot of questions, sorry, I know that's been a theme through this whole thing, yeah, right? like to ask <laughs> a lot okay. of questions. But it helps us understand people better. So it helps us understand others better, their intentions, their desires. And all of that leads into better engagement with them and and trust building. And so I just think it's important to ask a lot of questions. Don't assume you know the answer. Don't assume that you're right and everybody else is wrong. Just be curious and ask lots of questions. Fantastic. Thank you. I love that. We always talk about, you know, asking the why and push to know more. So here's my favorite part of the show, Melissa. We have all had these encounters. They can be either with a practice owner, an employee, a client. I mean, it might not even be in the profession. It could be outside the profession. But one of those things where you just palm hits the forehead, eyes pop out like pugs, chin hits the ground, and you're like, pinch me. Did this just happen? Or am I dreaming? This cannot be real. No way. You cannot make this shit up. I am sure you have some good stories. Change the name to protect the innocent, but share your funny, 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 funny. You can't just make this shit up story with us. Oh my gosh. I literally don't even know where to begin on that because (laughs) being in human resources, we hear so much stuff. Oh yes. (laughs) It's hilarious. Yep. Yeah. You know, probably just the most incredible things I've seen that I'm just like, I I can't even believe this is a thing. Our stories about like employees, you know, smoking pot and then like, yeah. And putting it out on social media, like, hey, right. smoking my joint before I go into work. I'm like, why would you do that? Why yeah, would you right. tell us you're doing that? Or, you know, I've had to talk to people about drinking at work. Like the people just employees leave the office and go to the convenience store next door and buy alcohol and then come back to work. And I'm like, who does that? Who thinks that's okay? <laughs> I just, I don't get it. Hey, Andrea here. Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Okay. So Melissa, tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact. Hiring the wrong manager for the wrong reasons. Tell me about your proudest moment. Personally, it was finishing my first triathlon. That was a big accomplishment for me. 
work-related was being able to be a PVU instructor for about a year and a half. I had to give it up due to my schedule, but it was a very proud moment for me. Why veterinary medicine? What do you just love about our profession? The passion of the team members. They're so passionate and care so much. And then I appreciate that by helping the team members, I can help provide a better experience for pets and their people. Self-care, how do you practice it? How do you decompress? (laughs) So I basically go on do not disturb mode from about 9.30 p.m. till 7 a.m. I go to bed around 9.30 every night, and then I wake up in the morning and work out for about an hour, and no one can really touch me during those times. Even my family isn't really allowed to be around me during those times, so I need that time to decompress. How do you balance work and life, and do you experience any work guilt in that balance? So I've heard about knowing which balls are glass and which are rubber, because the rubber ones will bounce back and the glass ones will break. So I think there's always a push and pull, but figuring out what's glass and what's rubber. What keeps you up at night? Things that stress you out or cause you anxiety in your role or in your company? Definitely staffing. I feel really bad for everyone that can't find the doctor support or tech support that they need to be able, or any support, customer service, whatever, to be able to utilize their PTO that we give them so they can have their mental health break. So it's definitely not being able to find enough team members. And what gets you up and out of bed in the morning? What excites you to start your day? So I'm naturally a helper. So I think that, you know, what gets me out of bed and what gets me excited to start the day is that I have opportunities to help people throughout the day. Also, you know, some of the strategic projects that I'm able to work on that can impact the profession overall. Big fan of a rising tide lifts all boats. Awesome. Well, thank you. That was that thank was incredible. You, that was the best rapid fire we've had yet. <laughs> thank you. That was great. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was lovely. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Sharing yeah, it's been your fun chatting nuggets with, you guys. with us. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Be well and uh, we'll catch up soon. Okay. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your you can't make this shit up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast. And be sure to rate us. Check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. 
Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.